Okay. Thank so, you. if y'all want to turn over to Psalm 143. Oh, I love that one. It's a good one. Uh, I wanted to talk about depression, as depressing as that may sound, because um, personally for me, that's something that I've dealt with a lot in my life, and it it seems to be something that kind of runs in my family, because, you know, there's other family members that have that a lot and deal with it a lot, especially the, the men in my family, and so... It's something that I've had to deal with a lot, and basically, in a lot of ways, it's what led me to the Lord, because I was at a place in my life where, I mean, I just, I did not want to get out of bed in the mornings. I didn't want to, I didn't want to do anything. I just wanted to, like, roll up in a ball and and uh, just stay there and, and things, and so... You know, it was from that place where I kept crying out to the Lord. And, you know, I've told you guys this story before. But at the time, you know, I still wanted to... Basically, what I was doing is I was self-medicating. So, it's like, you know, my life was miserable and, you know, it was all terrible and everything. So, I would go out and, honestly, I would drink until I blacked out. And I would do do crazy things that people would tell me about the next day. And I had no recollection at all of them and stuff. And... And um, so, yeah, it, it was what was driving me to the Lord. But at the same time, I knew that, that God was, you know, it's like I'm seeking the Lord, but it's like he's kind of holding me back, you know, and it, it was because I was not willing to lay down my sins. It's because it's like I wanted God to come in and rescue me from my depression and rescue me from not wanting to live, not wanting to be on the on this planet. But at the other, you know, the other hand, I wasn't ready to give up my sins and follow him, you know, wholeheartedly. You know, it's like, you know, it's like, and that's kind of the American Jesus. We want, we want Jesus, but we want our sins too and stuff. And, and I know for me that there was always something that was withholding me and saying, no, I'm, I'm not going to give myself unto you until you're ready to lay all that down. And so for me, it was a long process. It was, I was probably in that state for probably about two years until I finally came to the point to where it's like, I can't fight it anymore, you know, and, and I needed Jesus. I needed, um, I needed him to save me, to rescue me, to deliver me from that depression because otherwise, I mean, I probably wouldn't even be here right now and stuff. And so uh, in Psalm 143, it says, Hear my prayer, O Lord. Give ear to my supplications. Answer me in your faithfulness and in your righteousness. And do not enter into judgment with your servant, for in your sight no man living is righteous. For the enemy has persecuted my soul. Um, he has crushed my life to the ground. He has made me dwell in dark places like those who have long been dead. And anyone that's been in you know, serious depression knows what it's like to be in this place just of darkness, of hopelessness, of despair. And and for me, there was no hope. There was no getting out of it. This was my world. This is where I lived. And I, there was no light at the end of the tunnel. And then uh, it says uh, in verse 4, it says, Therefore my spirit is overwhelmed within me. My heart is appalled within me. I remember the days of old. I meditate on all your doings. I muse on the work of your hands. I stretch out my hands to you. My soul longs for you as a parched land. 
Answer me quickly, Lord, O Lord, my spirit fails. Do not hide your face from me, or I will become like those who go down to the pit. Let me hear your loving kindness in the morning, for I trust in you. Teach me, look at this, teach me the way in which I should walk, for to you I lift up my soul. And that's the thing, because, so, you know, so the Lord saved me and stuff, and, and I mean, things changed drastically, you know, I mean, um, you know, I mean, you know how it is when the Lord saves you. I mean, all of a sudden things start falling off of you left and right and you get a hunger for the word and you get a hunger to pray. You get a hunger to be around people who are talking about the things of God. And, and so like there was this massive change in my life. But at the same time, there was still this this kind of cloud that hung over me. And 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 it was it was really kind of disappointing in a lot of ways. And it was. Um, it really kind of shook me in a lot of ways because I'm like, Lord, I, I'm following you now. I turned from my sins. I turned from all this other stuff. And yet I'm still battling this. And it, and it wasn't nearly to the same degree at all. You know what I'm saying? But you know how it is when you come to the Lord, you expect all that stuff to be gone, right? You expect it to be dead, buried in the ground. You don't have to deal with it anymore. It's, it's just boom, gone and stuff. And yet there was still a part of it that lingered and stuff. And so... So it caused me to to really seek the Lord on it. And it's something that, again, like I said, I mean, I've, I've gotten lots and lots of victory. You can even ask Amy about it, how like how different I am from how even I was when she met me and stuff. Because, I mean, I was like Eeyore, you know, everything. <laughs> you know, and, everything. and like, I mean, it's like, seriously, there's a cloud that's just followed me everywhere. And, you know, I expected the worst out of every situation. And, you know, and, and so um, God has delivered me a lot. But then... There were so many things that he didn't deliver me from. And I'm like, God, why is this not happening? And it's just like that scripture. It says, teach me the way in which I should walk. And that's the thing. And God, because for me, it was one of those things where it's like, see, and that's the thing. Again, God saves you from things and he delivers you from a lot of things. But there are things that you have reaped or that you have sown that now you're still going to reap. You know what I'm saying? And there are things that even... Um, just, just being a part of this world and in this life, there are difficulties that we struggle with, right? Uh, even Paul with Timothy, you know, Timothy didn't get healed, right? Paul even told Timothy, hey, take some wine for your stomach ailments, right? And even Paul, Paul talked about how he, you know, when he had the thorn in his flesh, he prayed that it would be removed and it didn't get removed. And so the thing, the problem is, is a lot of times when we become Christians, we think that all of a sudden, you know, it's it, it's going to, you know, everything's going to be completely different. Everything's going to sparkle. Everything's going to shine. In lots of ways, it did, but not completely. You know what I'm saying? And it's uh, and the thing is, is in a lot of those places, you have lived your life in such a manner and you have developed bad habits and you have taught yourself how to think in such a way that now the Lord begins to take you on a process of delivering you. And it might not be this instantaneous thing where it's like poof and you're set free. Now it might become this walk where you start taking these steps and the Holy Spirit then begins to lead us and he begins to guide us and begin to show us the way in which we're to walk. And he begins to instruct us in things. And so um, for me, that's, that's, that's been pretty much my testimony is that 
and like like if you ask Amy, I mean, I still deal with those things. Sometimes, like even after Bible study, I'm like, oh, that was just terrible. And it's like, <laughs> why even that Bible study anymore? And, you know, meaning himself, not y'all. <laughs> yeah, and it's like, and it's like, you know, and so, so basically, this is for us to learn how, because it's the enemy. Yeah. Satan wants to destroy what God has planted in us. And each one of us have giftings. Each one of us have anointings. And we come to the Lord, but we still got these issues that Satan will try to exploit. And Satan will try to turn those gifts against us and try to say, well, you're not worthy or, or you're, you know, or whatever he can. Because the thing is, is he knows our habits right? He knows the way we live. He knows the way we think. I'm, I'm not saying that he can read our minds, but anybody can sit there and watch your life and know what you're about, right? And Satan is a master at doing that and stuff. And so, so again, God puts us on this process of learning how to overcome. And, and it's, it's, it's kind of funny because we were talking to someone earlier this week about healing and things like that and why God doesn't always heal people and things like that. And again, God is most glorified in us when we take our weaknesses, when we take our limitations, and we overcome those, right? And so God is pleased and he's glorified when we, despite our weaknesses, despite our failings, despite our shortcomings, we still conquer and we're not, we don't allow those things to hold us back. Does that make sense? Mm -hmm. So um, turn, to, turn to Proverbs 18. And the thing is, again, the, the, in Proverbs 18, verse um, uh, 24, it says, A man of too many friends comes to ruin. But look at this. It says, But there is a friend who sticks closer than a brother. And for me, this whole process has been one of finding the friend that sticks closer to a brother. That's why I came to Jesus in the first place, right? Because... Nobody wants to be around a Debbie Downer, right? No one wants to be around someone that's always depressed and always seeing the gloom and the doom and stuff like that. And so basically in my life, I needed someone that was going to stick with me and was going to walk through with me through that valley, right? And that's what Jesus does. He comes to us and he walks with us through our valleys. If we didn't have valleys, if we didn't have shortcomings, if we didn't have struggles, if we didn't have strifes, we wouldn't need Jesus. Right? And the thing is, is a lot of our head, a lot of our knowledge when we come to him is just all in our heads or what we hear from pulpits or whatever. And it is that walking through the valley where we find that friend that sticks closer than a brother experientially that changes us. And that's where we truly get to know who he is and, and he gets to know us, right? And in a sense, what's happening is once again, we're like Adam and Eve where, where Adam walked with God in the garden. And, and if you think about it, it's an awesome thing because nobody wants trials. Nobody wants struggles. Nobody wants to walk through dark valleys. But when you think about the fact that it's there where we meet with Jesus, it turns it into another thing, right? It turns it into a thing that's not this horrible, this horrible dark thing, but it's something that's an awesome place where we come to meet with him. And I'm not saying that we become, you know... Um, 
suffering loving fools. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but you know what I'm saying? It's like, you know, so the thing is, is we have these great mountaintop experiences with Jesus a lot of times. And, and we want to live on the mountaintops. But Jesus is not always on the mountaintops. Matter of fact, mostly he's in the valley. Because honestly, that's where the world is, right? The world is in the valley. And Jesus is often in the valley trying to pick people out of that place. And stuff, and that's where we as believers come in, and we meet, and we we cooperate with him, and we work with him in lifting people out of those dark places. Amen. Mm-hmm. So we have to know what it's like to be there, right? So we can help someone out of it. Yeah, and and that's the thing with with depression. Again, it's like you're in this tunnel, you're in this fog, and it's basically a cage, and it's like there's no end to this darkness. It's like it's like a cave rather than a tunnel and stuff. And it's only when Jesus steps in that he begins to shine that light. And I, again, I, I think that it is him that he doesn't just automatically deliver. He doesn't automatically set us free and he doesn't automatically make things you know turn and stuff sometimes he does that to teach us how to fight and he does it also to teach us how to find him right because i don't know about you but i've always found him when i'm crying out to him i've always found i mean you know it's also it's awesome to have great worship times and things like that and some of those are really meaningful and a lot of those times you can really feel that feel the presence of the lord but the places where i have felt it the most was when i was in the cave when i was in the place of darkness when there's no hope and there's nobody else that can rescue you and that's the thing we need to come to that point where we don't have anybody else because as long as we've got somebody else we're going to rely on somebody else right but when you come to the and jesus will bring us to the end of ourselves where there is nobody else where there's no one else that you can rely on where there's no one else that you can turn to he's the only one and that's where we find him and that's where it becomes real and that's where it becomes meaningful and stuff and um and again, uh, you know, depression is, is one of those things. Sometimes you might need medication, you know, uh, and definitely like if it's a clinical thing, obviously it's something that you should go see a doctor on, you know. Um, again, Paul told Timothy, take wine for your ailments. Basically, that was their medicine at the time and stuff. And so um, I, I disagree with people that think that you shouldn't go see doctors and, and things like that because God gave us doctors and stuff, right? But I would say be careful with some of the psychology because I think that some of the like some of the psychology, some, not all, but some of it is like you go and for an hour you tell them what your problems are and they're like, okay, and they just let you talk it out and you come next week and you tell them about your problems and you come the week after and you tell them about your problems. And it's like, you know, that's a trap in itself. And I think we all know people that every time you get around them, all they can talk about is their problems, right? And and it's like, oh, how you doing? Oh, and that's what I used to be, you know? It's like, oh, how's everything going? Oh, it's terrible and stuff. And that's, it's all, the focus is always on the problem and stuff. And if you're not giving them a way out, then it's a waste of time, right? And it, so it's not enough for people just to talk about their problems. What we have to do is we have to provide an answer for them. We have to provide something we have to provide hope and that's what the gospel does right the gospel gives us hope beyond our current situation beyond our circumstances and and also i think one of the things is 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 i think that it's is is i know me personally i had to learn that it was okay not to be um 
just always happy and bubbly and stuff after becoming a Christian, right? Because even even as a believer, you know, sometimes people will, you know, I mean, it's the whole thing like from the pulpit, you know, well, if you're not jumping for joy right now, you know, you're not, you don't, you know, God's not speaking to you or whatever. You know what I'm saying? Or or sometimes, you know, there there are people that always had the smile on and stuff like that. And if you're depressed or whatever, they're like, well, you know, what's wrong with you or whatever and stuff. And sometimes they will actually look down on you and judge you because you're not, you know, the perfect Christian like they are or whatever and stuff. And the thing is, is the Bible was filled with people that <laughs> experienced a lot of depression. I mean, David... Uh, Moses, Jeremiah, even Jesus. The Bible says he was well acquainted with sorrows and a man of grief and stuff. And so, you know, there's nothing wrong with, and sometimes even being a Christian, sometimes you, you, you're filled with grief just when you look at the world around you and you see the state and the condition of what's going on around you. Sometimes that alone is enough to just, you know, wrecks your spirit yeah and bring you into despair and stuff but you know the thing is is it's okay now you know we don't want to live there and we don't want to be there all the time right but sometimes God puts us in those places sometimes to truly pray for other people you have to be in those places and and just like you were talking about before sometimes to even empathize with other people you have to have gone through that valley yourself and that's one thing that God wants us to, to teach us too is that we as believers, if someone comes to me with something that's heavy, with something that's really, you know, just a major, major thing, you know, because because if you've been through a dark place yourself, you are able to empathize with people that are going through dark things, right? You're able to sympathize and you're able to truly care about what these people are going through, right? I mean, we all know people that you, you say something to and they just give you the pat Christian answer. Well, Proverbs 13, 14 says, you know, whatever and stuff. And without even skipping the beat, you know what I'm saying? And it's like, you know, I don't, I, I don't know about you, but if I'm really going through something, I don't need that. I need someone to go to say, you know what? I know exactly what you're dealing with. Let me pray with you. Let and me I stand think, with you. I think that's really cool too. Some when certain other people who like can act in that way and also use the word of God to reinf like to encourage and to build up in a positive way as opposed right. to like a way to dismiss but as a way for actually building up the body of Christ yeah. you know mm -hmm. that's good. and that's the thing and, and that's what we as believers again are supposed to be doing and Jesus said in this world you will have tribulation you will have troubles and stuff and we are there to lift one another up if one's weak another's strong right and so that's what that's what we're called to do and uh, <coughs> turn to Colossians 3, verse 4. Thank you. Colossians 3. Verse 15. It says, Let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts to which indeed you were called in one body and be thankful now he says that word in verse 15 let the peace of Christ and he says it again in verse 16 let the word of Christ richly dwell within you and so there there is a part of us that has to allow that right uh, there is a part of us because like I said sometimes when you're a depressed person or whatever you you get fat you you're 
you find yourself in a cave, right? And this becomes your norm and stuff. And the only and and so these are steps on how to get out of that place, right? Because um, and so we're in Colossians. It says, "Let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts." Verse sixteen says, "Let the word of Christ richly dwell in you with all wisdom, teaching and admonishing one another with psalms and hymns and spiritual songs." singing with thankfulness in your hearts to God. And so the thing is, is sometimes it involves a choice. Mm -hmm. And that's one thing that I learned for myself is that I had to choose. Okay. Because, you know, and that's the thing with us as believers. What happens is God will first show us the problem. Right. And then, but a lot of us stop at that place. Right. We're like, well, God just showed me this or he showed me that and stuff. Instead of realizing that, okay, he showed me this problem. Now, I'm going to have to come to him to get the answer on how to deal with this problem. And that's the thing. Again, it's, it's not something, a lot of times it's something that's really, really difficult in learning how to deal with. But again, it comes with volition and allowing myself and knowing that, look, I can't think in this negative way all the time. I can't think all doom and gloom. I can't think that everything's going to explode. Everything's going to be bad. Everything's just going to be terrible and stuff. Let yourself let your mind dwell on jesus let your mind dwell on good things don't let your mind constantly dwell on the bad and stuff and and again that's something that i had to learn by experience is that that you know because i'm praying and i'm expecting god to just suddenly change my mind right i'm expecting god to just all of a sudden there's you know it's like a disney movie playing in my mind you know and stuff and it's not like that you know, it doesn't happen that way. Sometimes God, it takes a process and it takes walking it out and it takes, uh, you've lived for years with these bad thinking habits and uh, just thinking that everything's terrible, everything's bad and stuff. Now you've got to begin to take those thoughts captive and you've got to begin to change the way you think. And now you're thinking a different way. Um, turn to Psalm 42. says in verse one, he says, as the deer pants for water brooks, so my soul pants for you, O God. And the thing is, is it, it's in this process that makes you hungry for God. Because what happens is, is you start, you, you start that pursuit. And, and what happens is sometimes you get these little glimpses, you get these little tastes and you get these, sometimes God will refresh you and stuff. And, and, and that's the, the, you know, Again, we as believers, when we first get saved, we, we think that it's always going to be this refreshing thing, that God's going to always just be pouring on us, always refreshing us. We're always going to live on these mountaintop experiences. Everything's always going to be okay, but it doesn't happen that way in real life. In real life, there's peaks and then there's valleys and there's highs and there's lows. And some days everything's great. And man, it's like God is like so close beside you. He's, he's touching you, right? And then other times you're like, God, where are you? And stuff. And so, but it's in that seeking where he allows himself to be found by us. Right? And then what he does is he draws us after himself. And we begin to chase after him and we begin to pursue him. And, and we go from glory to glory. We go from heights to heights. And we get we get greater and greater understanding of who he is experientially and not just, you know, from what we hear from other people. He says, uh, as a deer pants for the water brook, so my soul pants for you, O God. 
My soul thirsts for God, for the living God. When shall I come and appear before God? Look at this. My tears have been my food day and night, while they say to me all day long, Where is your God? These things I remember, and I pour out my soul within me. For I used to go along with the throng and lead them in procession to the house of God, with a voice of joy and thanksgiving, a multitude-keeping festival. And so he says, Why are you in despair, O my soul? And why have you become disturbed within me? And again, uh, it's, it's that whole thing about where he says, Let yourselves dwell on these things. Sometimes you have to look at yourself and say, Why are you in this place? Right? Because what happens a lot of times is, is we listen to the voice of the enemy and what Satan always does is he magnifies. Right? He magnifies our faults. He magnifies our weaknesses. Everything that's like... our problems too. Yeah, our problems. He magnifies it like worry. We always worry about things that a lot of times don't even happen. Right? How many times do we, have we sit there and worried and worried about something and then it never even happens? And so, and that's what Satan does. He gets us chasing things that that aren't even real sometimes. And that's why it builds up in your mind and these things become huge and monumental and, and they're not, right? And so sometimes we need to step outside of our situation and say, what's really going on here, right? <laughs> and like even with our sins and stuff, because sometimes, you, you know, you, you'll sin. It's we really sometimes like we'll sin or whatever and, and we'll fall into whatever and temptation or something like that and we'll really just beat ourselves to death over that right and stuff and and sometimes we are still punishing ourselves for something jesus forgave us for a long time ago and stuff and it's good to be real and it's good to truly repent and to truly be real with ourselves but you know god has not called us just to sit there and dwell on these things and the more that we dwell on this, we become unfruitful in the kingdom because if we're dwelling on our faults, we're not going to go out and do anything, right, for the kingdom because we're like, well, God's not going to use me. Why would God use me? I'm this filthy, rotten sinner, you know, and stuff. And so that's how Satan begins to talk to us and stuff. And so sometimes we need to step outside of the situation and, and step out of it and say, what's really going on here? Does that make sense? And a lot of times we can see that, hey, this is just Satan. Like a lot of times when Amy and I are fighting, like <laughs> like even to go and pick up Becca the other day, we got into this fight and stuff, and it was over senseless, stupid nonsense and stuff. And it's like, that's Satan, right? Sometimes, some, and that's a lot of times it's hard to do that in the heat of the battle or in the middle of the fight or whatever and stuff. But sometimes we need to step back and see what's really going on. I mean, this is from the enemy, right? right? And even the way that we're thinking about ourselves a lot of times and a lot, uh, the way that we're like, like we're so depressed and we're like, we don't want to do anything and, we, and stuff. And it's a direct assault from Satan because he doesn't want you to do anything either. Right. He wants us to just sit in the corner of our room and just lick our wounds and oh, woe is me and stuff instead of saying, you know what? God is still on the throne. And I'm going to get up and follow him with my faults, with my imperfections, and I'm going to serve him. Um, in verse, verse 5 again, Why are you in despair, O my soul, and why have you become disturbed within me? Hope in God, for I shall again praise him for the help of his presence. And I love that. It's, he says, hope in God. And that's the thing. It's like, we always have to have hope. Right? And that's the thing that Satan tries to steal. See, the thing is, 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 you know, 
Satan wants to steal our hope because hope has us looking forward, right? Satan always makes us look back on our faults, right? On the things that we used to do. I mean, I still sometimes think about the, some of the things that I used to do. Um, even after I became a Christian, I'm like, oh my gosh. And sometimes it paralyzes you because you're, you're like, oh, you know, and stuff. And that's what Satan does. He gets you looking on your past and hope will have you look forward. And that's what God wants us to do is to look forward and stuff. Um, turn to Romans chapter 4. Because the thing about the gospel and the thing about following Jesus is that we're always going forward, right? And that was the beauty of Paul, you know, and everything, nothing got Paul down because nothing, he didn't stop. And that's, again, what Satan wants to do is to make us unfruitful. He wants us to, he wants to get us out of the fight. You know, it, it, it's kind of like in Vietnam. In Vietnam, a lot of times the enemy, they, they would shoot, uh, they would shoot the Americans like in the leg or, or in, a, in the arm or in a place where it wouldn't kill them, but it would take two other people to carry them out. That makes sense. So, like, if if he shot one person, I mean, that person would just be dead. But if he shot one person and wounded them, it would take two people to carry them out, right? And I mean, that's genius. And that's how Satan works: is he tries to get us as the body of Christ out of the fight, mm -hmm. right? He wants to make us unfruitful. He wants us. To, he wants us instead of saying, you know, these are the gifts that God has given me, and they may not be like, you know huge or anything like that but i'm going to use my gift to the full extent all right i'm going to use my gift in whatever small way that i can to help bless the kingdom of god and to open people's eyes to the kingdom it's like the little boy with the fish and the loaves i mean he's like all i got are these little fishes and these loaves and if we bring our fishes and our loaves to jesus he can break them and he can multiply them and it's who knows what he can do with them right and so Satan wants us to think, wants to want us, wants us to focus on all we got is these little fish and loaves. Jesus wants us to look forward and say, you know what? He can take those fish and loaves and do things that you can't even imagine. All right. Yeah. And in Romans uh, four, talking about hope in verse sixteen, it says, "For it is for this reason it's by faith talking about salvation in order." that it may be in accordance with grace so that the promise will be guaranteed to all the descendants not only to those who are of the law but also to those who are of the faith of Abraham who is the father of us all as it is written a father of many nations I have I made you in the presence of him whom he believed even God who gives life to the dead and calls into being that which does not exist look at this in verse 18 in hope against hope he believed so that he might become a father of many nations according to that which which had been spoken, so shall your descendants be. And and that's the thing. I mean, Abraham's 100 years old, Sarah's 99 years old, and God tell him, you're going to have a child and stuff. And, you know, I don't know what God has told you and stuff, and sometimes I don't even know what God's told me. Sometimes we don't know what God's called, told us or whatever, but we know that God wants to use us, Right? And sometimes it's only as we step out in faith and in hope, knowing that, you know, I don't know where I'm going. Just like when God called Abraham out of Ur, he says he, he called it, he went out not knowing where he was going. And that's how God uses us. It's like, okay, we got these little fishes and these loaves and stuff. Well, I don't know what you're going to do with them. But if I step out, if I just take this step, 
in, in hope and in faith, God's going to do something with them and stuff. And so, and that's what God wants to do is he wants us to step out in faith. He wants us to have hope knowing that he has gifted each one of us and stuff and he can use our lives and it may not again be in some huge way but just just in speaking to people or, or whatever small ways god can use us and stuff if we're willing to step out and um that's that's something god's really been speaking me to me a lot lately is just stepping out in faith because you know again we live you know we live in a world that's increasingly more and more hostile to christianity and stuff but there are people that are hungry. And there are people that want to hear what we have to, to say and stuff. And, you know, it's like we, and it's kind of the problem when we've been Christians for a while, we've heard it so often, we think everybody else has heard it. And we think, you know, and we think, well, everybody in America has heard about Jesus and stuff. But increasingly, more and more, there are people that have never heard anything about the gospel who've heard the name of Jesus, but only as a cuss word or, you know, whatever, but they don't know anything about who he is or why he came or how he can save them and stuff. And, and so um, that's why it's good to, to remember a lot of times, again, where we were saved, right? And how much compassion the Lord had on us and stuff. And God long, and again, we look at this world and it's so hard and it's so, um, anti-god but you know what there I, I wonder sometimes how many people you brush up during the day that sure a lot of them that you would say anything to would just totally shut you down and not want to hear anything but maybe there's one person out of all the people that you bumped into that day that would be open you know and stuff and it's pretty amazing i think that there's yeah there's people that want what we have they want our fish. They want our loaves. But if we're in this place of despair and like God can't use me and like, and, and because you know, a lot of times you've shared the gospel with people, right? And and you've gotten rejection and you've gotten people that don't want to hear it and stuff. And, and sometimes you again get focused on that. Well, you know, I shared the gospel with fifteen people and all of them said no, or none of them wanted to hear it and stuff. Well, you remember about that one guy that you spoke to that one time and how how God really opened his heart and he, he really wanted to hear what you had to say and stuff. And, you know, so there are people out there that want to hear the gospel. There are people out there that want what's in us and stuff. But again, it's it it takes us looking forward in hope, knowing that if I share the gospel, someone's going to want to hear it at some point. Um. So, and, and so, and one of the ways that God brings us out of that is through worship too. Turn to Psalm 103. I know I'm going back from like Psalms to New Testament and Psalm 103. Because the thing is, is we get, it's easy to get negative, right? And again, like I say, just in our world that we live in, the politics, the news that you watch every day, it's easy just to get negative about everything that's going on, about about everything that's in the world and stuff. And personal trial. And uh, yeah, in our personal situations and stuff. I mean, you know, it's easy to fall into a trap of negativity and stuff. And in Psalm 103, verse 1, it says, Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me, bless his holy name. 
Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget none of his benefits. And I think that's awesome because, again, sometimes we forget everything that God has done for us. I mean, like, you know, like you're in the car and, and someone almost runs over you. You know what I'm saying? And like at that moment, you're like praising God. Oh, thank you, God. You, you know, and you're praising Jesus and stuff like that. But 15 minutes later, you've completely forgotten about it, right? Or something really good happens in your work day or, or someone blesses you with something like that. And like at, in the moment, you're like, oh, hey, thank you, thank you, God, and praise Jesus and stuff. But then 30 minutes later, you've completely forgotten it. Or when your trials come, then you've really forgotten it. Because now all you can think about is, man, man, everything's going terrible. I'm having a terrible day. Everyone's mad at me. Everyone hates me. My wife's mad at me and, and stuff. The dog hates me and, and everything is all <laughs> negative and stuff. Instead of, and, and so again, it's easy to fall in that trap sometimes of just negativity and, and stuff and, and stuff. And sometimes one of the, the remedy is just to start praising Jesus and start blessing the Lord and stuff. And again, it's that choice that you make. And a lot of times you don't feel like it, right? I don't feel like worshiping God right now. I don't feel like praising him. I feel like sulking. I feel like, you know, licking my wounds and stuff. Right. And sometimes and that's the thing with depression is you have to be careful about it because it can become something that you that you become comfortable in. Right. And it's easy to get in this place where it's a it's a it's a spirit or an attitude of self-pity and stuff. And sometimes, honestly, I, I was doing that at work not too long ago. When I, you know, I was all, like grumbling to myself and, you know, and just complaining about my day and stuff. And I'm telling you, the Holy Spirit said, you have a spirit of self-pity on you and stuff. And we get caught in these modes where it's like all we can see is this negativity and my job's terrible and you know, all this stuff and stuff instead of stopping and just praising God and stuff, you know? Because God does so much for us. Continuing, like in verse 3, he says, um, Who pardons all your iniquities, who heals all your diseases, and all of us can testify to the fact that God has forgiven us some sins, right? Yeah. Even after we get saved, even after as believers, and, and, and as believers who know the word, and as believers who should know better than to do the things that we do a lot of times, right. God still forgives us those things. And yet, how can we grumble against him, right? We find ourselves in these places where we like, God, why are you made, why are you allowing this, or why is this happening stuff? And we've forgotten his, his benefits, right? Who pardons all your iniquities, who heals all your diseases, who redeems your life from the pit, who crowns you with loving kindness and compassion, who satisfies your years with good things so that your youth is renewed like the eagle. And so again, sometimes we just have to remind, and it's again like God told the people in the Old Testament to set up markers, to set up monuments from places that they had been so that they would remember the things that God had delivered them from. Because they, just like us, every time we get in a bad situation, our go-to, our default is to grumble and complain rather than to thank God for the time that he delivered us out of before, right? And knowing, knowing that, you know, if God delivered me before, he can deliver me now, right? And just like, even with Shad, like Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, when, when uh, Nebuchadnezzar threw him in the flame of fires, or when he told them to bow down and worship the image, they said, like, God is able to rescue us from you. But even if he doesn't, we're still not going to bow down to you. 
right? And that's what we're doing when we start grumbling and we start complaining and we get in this place of depression and self-pity and stuff. We're actually in some ways worshiping Satan. Does that make sense? Because, because we're, we're, we're glorifying that. We're glorifying our self-pity. We're glorifying our pride, our whatever it is, rather than God. And so when we begin to worship him, it flips the tables. Mm -hmm. And now we're not glorifying our situations. We're not glorifying our problems. We're not glorifying our whatever it is. Now we're glorifying God. And we're like saying, God, no matter what the situation, even if it gets worse, I'm still going to praise you. And even if my situation cannot ever be fixed, I'm still going to worship you. And that's where so many believers, again, fall away from God is because we find ourselves in a bad situation that God didn't rescue me out of. And so now I'm just not going to follow him no more. Right? Mm -hmm. And stuff rather than remembering, you know what? But there were a multitude of times when God did deliver me from things. Right? There's multitudes of times when God came in at the last minute and rescued me. When there was no one else to rescue me, God came and rescued me. He delivered me from things. He blessed me with things. He's given me so much. He's, he's poured out abundance on me and stuff like that. How can I complain against him? How can I grumble against him? And when you see the clarity sometimes of his deliverance and then his lack thereof, like there's almost... There's, well, no, there are not almost, but there is a requirement to trust him when he doesn't deliver us. Yeah. Because we know that he, he he's a God, he's the same God who delivered us from X, Y, or Z, you yeah. know? And and so now he's choosing not to. So we have to, we don't, he doesn't tell us why. Well, at least not me. No. You know? But, you know, we, then we're, our, our job is to trust him. And, yeah. And the Bible talks a lot about trusting him. Yeah. yeah. And the thing is, is a lot of times we think God owes us an explanation. And God doesn't owe us. And we do. We, and we get mad if he doesn't explain it to us and stuff. But God doesn't owe us any explanation. Ooh, Lord, I'm receiving that cookie. Yeah, right? <laughs> I mean, because we do that. We're like, and, and that's when we get mad. We're like, God, why are you not showing me why an answer for this? And stuff, and and sometimes it's not till like months after, then like oh, it hits you in the head, boom! Oh, that's why, you know, and stuff. Or or sometimes it never happens, you know. And sometimes we're like we we sometimes on this side we will never know the answers to some things, and that's why again, that's uh, you know, unbelievers. Anytime bad, something bad happens, they're like, "Why did God allow this?" Well, there are some things that you will never have an answer for, right? There are things in this life that we don't have answers for and we never will. Does that make God less worthy of being praised? No. I mean, God is still God and he's still on the throne. Uh, and in Philippians, it, it, again, we have to, it's what we focus on. It's what we choose to focus on. Are we going to choose to focus on the negative or are we going to choose to focus on God? And in Philippians 4 verse 8, it says whatever is good, whatever is lovely, whatever is good repute, whatever is noble, all these things, on these things dwell. Let your mind dwell on these things. And that's the problem. Too often is when we get in negative circumstances and negative situations, it's like whenever you have a, get into a fight with someone, like an argument or something like that. How many times have you gotten into an argument with someone and like three hours later, you're still going over it in your mind and you're like, oh, I should have said this. 
right? Or I should I should have said that, right? And we're still fighting that fight. It's up, and that's that's what happens. Is these are the traps that Satan gets us into? Is that we're dwelling on the negative? We're dwelling on the things that instead of dwelling on what's lovely, and what's good, and what's you know Jesus, right? And we're dwelling on the negative things. And again, the even it happens even from stuff that happened to us in our childhood and things where we were really hurt and, and, and stuff. And we all have, again, we all have baggage that we're still carrying. And go ahead. I just think it's going and then I want to share before you share the next scripture. I'm pretty much done. Okay. Well, um, when I heard what Dean was preaching on, I was studying the subject too and I just... I discovered something so cool that this is a good time to share. But if you kind of do a word study and kind of dig into <clears throat> Hebrews, uh, Hebrews 12, verse, verse, starting in verse 1, just talking about how we have to run the race with endurance, and then you get into verse 2, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of faith, who for the joy set before him endured the cross, and if you just really meditate on that whole scripture and you just tear it apart in your heart and your mind and you dig it in the dictionary and you dig it in the Greek and you just tear it up, it's just so cool because there's so much in there. First of all, Paul is exhorting us to, that when we're going through suffering or that when we're trying to run this race and it's difficult, he wants us to endure, he wants us to be strong. And, and the way we do that is by fixing our eyes on Jesus, not on the problem Jesus didn't fix his eyes. It says, do as Christ did. For con consider him who had endured such hostility by sinners against himself, so that you may not grow weary and lose heart. It's like, here he endured the cross by, by setting the joy before him of what was after the cross. He didn't, he didn't meditate on the pain of the cross. He meditated on the rewards. Um, and oftentimes when we're in bad stuff and we're going through things we're going through we, we don't we, we have we don't find the job or we or we can't pay the bill or we are sick or whatever thing that we're going through is so easy as humans for us to focus on the problem and as believers the secret that we have the treasure that we have that makes us different from the world is it doesn't end there in christ there it in the world it ends there in the world if you're suffering at your job or you've got a disease or whatever it that's that's where it feels like it ends for you because you don't have a joy set before you you don't have anything that goes beyond this life beyond the circumstances to set your heart upon to give you faith to give you encouragement but we have that mm. and so above any humans on this planet we should be the ones that are are, are are choosing to fix our eyes on Jesus not to fix our eyes on what we're dealing with and so I think there's so much hope and understanding in that and and it says if we it says fixing when I looked that up it was it was about a total focus it was like a concentration of really focusing on Jesus you know really getting it meant like not to turn to the left or to the right you know it's like you're not looking at all these things you're not looking at the waves like when Peter started looking at the waves his circumstances he started sinking and so, but when he had his eyes on Jesus, he was freaking walking on water. But when he started looking at the problems, he's sinking. And so uh, it's like, it just makes such a powerful difference that we understand there's something far greater than this life. There's something 
far more wonderful and beautiful than anything we could possibly suffer on this earth. And that's why Paul could go through all the torment and the persecution and why he said nothing can separate us from the love of God. It was because because nothing can in the sense that you could get you could get a disease, you could get tortured for Christ, you could get whatever, but but you still have the Lord and he is the greatest treasure. He is the greatest joy. And he, he is for all eternity. Our circumstances are temporal mm. because this life is a vapor. It's so temporary. We have an eternity to look forward to. And so we must choose to look forward. And even that word, consider him. For consider him who has endured such hostility by sinners against himself so that you may not grow weary and lose heart. So when we think about what Christ did and we focus on that, and consider was a strong word. It was like strong meditation, like think hard about this. And we really think hard about what Jesus went through and how he could he made it to the other side. He's the resurrection. He's he's with the Lord. We can have strength and hope. Yeah. And that's where our hope needs to come from. Yeah. And doesn't that scripture about hope say, you know, I feel like there's a scripture that says our hope is not like a, this it's not the world's kind of hope. It's a it's an eternal what is that scripture? It's a, we, we don't despair like the world. Mm. Um, like, yeah, we don't have no hope like the world. But mm. we, um, uh, I'm paraphrasing. There's a scripture in Hebrews that says that, that hope is an anchor for our soul. Yeah. So, and, uh, yeah. Turn to uh, Lamentations chapter 3. But uh, it's kind of, again, it's, it's where your focus is. We used to have a dog that loved chasing tennis balls and stuff. And if you put one on the shelf, that dog would stand there and stare at that ball and shake. <laughs> like her whole body would be shaking because she wanted that ball so much and stuff. And, you know, uh, and, and that's the thing is, is we have to learn to quit quitting because we as believers, we quit a lot, right? We, um, we, we, we have a thing in us where we're like, well, I'm just going to quit, you know, and stuff. And, you know, um, Jesus wants to put a steadfastness in us. He wants to put, uh, like, um, just a steadiness in us where we're, we won't give up no matter what, right? And in Lamentations 3, starting verse 1, he says, I'm the man who has seen affliction because of the rod of his wrath. He's driven me and made me walk in darkness and not in light. Surely against me has turned his hand repeatedly all the day. He has caused my flesh and my skin to waste away. He has broken my bones. He has besieged and encompassed me with bitterness and hardship. In dark places he has made me dwell like those who have long been dead. He has walled me in so that I cannot go out. He has made my chain heavy. Even when I cry out and call for help, he shuts out my prayer. I mean, Jeremiah's having a really bad day. Uh, verse 9, he says, He has blocked my ways with hewn stone. He has made my paths crooked. He is to me like a bear lying in wait, like a lion in secret places. He has turned aside my ways and torn me to pieces. He has made me desolate. He has bent his bow and he has set me as a target for his arrow. He made the, the arrows of his quiver to enter my inward parts. I become a laughingstock to all my people, their mocking song all day. He has filled me with bitterness. He has made me drunk with wormwood. He has broken my teeth with gravel. He has made me cower in the dust. My soul has been rejected from peace. I have forgotten happiness. So I say my strength has perished, and so is my hope from the Lord. So, 
again, Jeremiah's having a really, really bad day. And a lot of us would, if we're in this place, again, we'd just be licking our wounds and like, woe is me. And like, God, why are you doing this to me? It's just like when uh, Elijah, when, when, you know, when uh, he slew the 850 false prophets and stuff. And the next thing you know, Jezebel's wanting to kill him. And so he runs off into a cave and hides. And he's like, Lord, I'm the only one that's following you. And no one else is following you. And they want to kill me now and stuff. It's like, dude, you just took out 850 false prophets. And now you're in this cave licking your wounds. And, and oh, woe is me and stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and, and and it's like sometimes just the littlest things affect us, right? Yeah. And that's again, that's how Satan is. He is a master manipulator, and he knows our patterns. He knows our weaknesses. He knows uh, the things that will 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 make us run and start hiding and stuff, right? And he knows how to exploit those things. But look, continuing on in verse nineteen. Jeremiah says, Remember my affliction and my wandering, the wormwood and bitterness. Surely my soul remembers and is bowed down within me. Look at verse 31. This I recall to mind, therefore I have hope. The Lord's loving kindness indeed never ceases, for his compassions never fail. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. You see that? And so just like in the Psalms, like over and over, David's like talking about how like everything is so bad and my soul is downcast and my my bed is flooded with my tears and stuff, but yet I will praise him. Amen. And I will find my hope in God yeah. and stuff. And so again, it's not, when, as long as we're looking down here where the problems are, where all the strife is, where all the confusion and where all the darkness is, you're never going to find anything good. It's only when we look up that we find the help, right? And that thing, and this is why, like, I feel sorry for unbelievers that that go through, you know, depression and and go through really hard things because they have no place to look up. Right. All they can see is what's here. All they can see is what's down here. There's no hope for them, and so. Right. And, and again, that's why I came to Jesus because I'm like, you know what? You're my only hope. And there is no hope in anyone else. And it, the only way that I'm going to get out of this pit, out of this hole, is by looking up and stuff. And so that's what Jeremiah does. In uh, verse uh, verse 24, he says, The Lord is my portion, says my soul. Therefore I have hope in him. The Lord is good to those who wait for him, to the person who seeks him. You see that? And so, and, and that's the thing, Satan gets us to doubt the goodness of God. Mm-hmm. In all these situations, Satan tries to get us to doubt the goodness of God. Mm-hmm. That's what he does with the world, that's what he does with us. Again, every time there's a disaster, why did God allow this to happen? They're saying they are doubting the goodness of God. Mm-hmm. And sometimes we as believers fall into that same trap. It's like, God, why did you allow this to happen? God has suddenly not become good. Right? God is still as good as he was when he's pouring blessing out on us. When God is giving us all these things, when he's when he gives us this awesome house, when he gives us our clothes, when he gives us cars, when he gives us food to eat, we never go hungry. Right? When God does all these things, then we're like, hey God, you're awesome and stuff. But then when something bad happens, we're like, Why did you allow this to happen? God has not changed. He is as good when you are going through trial, when you are going through the worst experience of your life. He is as good as he's ever been. 
and our kids' church message today, actually. Yeah? Yeah. We, there was like a, the rich young ruler and how there's a little slip it, snippet in there. It says um, they, they thought uh, because they thought that because of his riches, he had a better place. He had more favor with God. And so that's why the disciples were saying, who then can get saved, you know? Oh, because, yeah. hmm. man, if it doesn't mean these blessings mean that you're good with God and you're asking him to lay all that stuff aside, then who can get saved? Um, hmm. So we were just telling the kids, like, whether blessing or not blessing, like your portion is the Lord. Yeah. Your yeah. portion yeah. is the Lord. So. Mm-hmm. And that's the thing. Again, it shows that a lot of times we, our concept of being blessed is, and, and that's also our concept of joy, is if things are going good, if things are, you know, that that's being blessed, right? Mm-hmm. We are being blessed in that we know, Christ. We know Jesus. Yeah. Yeah. And that's like what Amy was talking about before when Paul said, neither death nor life or, you know, all these things can separate me from the love of God. Because that's what's the blessing. The blessing is not what God gives me. The blessing is not if my bank account is full, right? The blessing is not about whether I've got a jet or whether I you know, have a, a, mil, a multi-million dollar house. The blessing is that he knows me. And that he's there. And, and, he's and there. that means that you can be in the, like the poor, like you can live in a hut in Africa and barely have enough feed, food to, to live out the day, his blessings have not changed. Yeah. Because he can actually, he, his, sometimes his presence can be more felt in those situations than if you're sitting in the mansion or if you're driving a Rolls Royce and yeah. stuff. Mm-hmm. Because it's not about the things. And that's where we as the American church have to change our mind. It's not about the things. The things do not show whether you're being blessed or you're not being blessed. Your health does not show whether you're being blessed or whether you're not being blessed. Your finances do not show whether you're being blessed or you're not being blessed. What shows is does he know me? It's like the seven sons of Siva. They they watched Paul going around healing people and stuff, and they and so they thought, well, hey, we're going to do the same thing. And it said that they they were they were trying to cast demons out of people, and they were saying, by the by the Jesus that Paul knows, we adjure you to come out of this man. And it says the demons came out of the man, beat beat the seven sons of Siva, um, uh, stole, took all their clothes off them, made them naked, and sent them running, and stuff. And they said, Paul, we know, and Jesus, we know. But we don't know who you are. I mean, imagine that if like demons came to you and said, we know who you are. Right? Or 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 if they said the opposite or they're like, we don't know who you are. I mean, that's it. Right? That's that is separates. That's that's the dividing line. Yeah. Does Jesus know me or does he not? And it's not about, again, what my church attendance or my tithe or any of that. It's does Jesus know me? And I'm not like, does he know my name or does he know me? Does, does he have communion with me? Does he come in and dwell with me? Does he, do I open the door and he comes in and sups with me and I sup with him and we have fellowship with each other? That's what it's all about. It's not about all these external things. So, so part of the problem too is that we, is that we especially as Americans we put our hope in this life 
And when you preached about those like six months ago or whatever, just about you preached about heaven, I think it was, or healing or something, you talked a lot about heaven and that how we have lost our hope of heaven, even eternity. Mm. And we, we put so much value in this life and the short, tiny little vapor of life. Like, you know, all these things we want to achieve before we die, all these things we want to happen before we die, that we put so much hope in this life that, that when things do go wrong in this life, we're, we are devastated yeah. because we've put our hope and our treasure in this life. And Paul said in 1 Corinthians fifteen nineteen, if we have hoped in Christ in this life only, we are all men most to be pitied. And especially, I mean, I'm sure Paul was thinking like, if all I've got is what's here and now, Wow, this is going to kind of suck for me because, I mean, he'd gone through so much. He'd gone through poverty. He'd gone through beatings. He'd gone through so much hardship that we can't even conceive of, most of us, that it's like, he's like, wow, if all I had to look forward to was just having Jesus here on earth and then I die, like, that'd be pretty dang sad, you know? But we have much, much more mm. than what's in this life. And the thing is, too, it's interesting when you were saying, um, like, you know that that our current situations and stuff like that aren't necessarily indicative of God's favor because that's something and that's something that's even greater. When you even think about the um, ten lepers who were healed, that was even a miraculous healing, right? The one that came back—that's mm. the one whose sins were forgiven. Yeah, and that's who had favor with God. Wow! At the end of the day, yeah, that's huh. good. That's a good thing to meditate on. Yeah, and that's again that's why so much of the gospel that we hear these days I mean it's wrong because you know and it's like even you talk to Christians and they're like well you know if God's not blessing your finances well what does that mean for God to bless your finances you know what I'm saying he bless our discipline so we don't <laughs> right? get into an incredible debt you know, you know or, or you know and it's like we look at all these external things as God's blessing mm-hmm. and you know, someone in Africa living in a hut probably knows God infinitely yeah, more, more joy, than yeah. we. Yeah. Just, yeah. And they, yeah. they're unshakable. Yeah. And, their joy and no matter what comes against them, no matter what storms come, it, it doesn't matter to them. Because their joy is not based on circumstance. Right. And that's that's the way the apostles were in the New Testament. Their joy their their was not based on their circumstances. That's why they could go through the things that they went through and not be shaken. We watched this uh, movie one time, I can't remember what it was called, but it was about these missionaries to Japan and stuff. And when the trials and the hardship came and and people started being persecuted for Jesus, um, the people told them, if y'all, stop te- if y'all stop preaching, we'll stop torching the people that are turning to Jesus and stuff. And they did and stuff. And the place where the gospel thrives is when people are able to endure those kinds of things and and still praise Jesus and still go forward and stuff. And and I, I don't know, it may not have anything to do with it at all, but sometimes I wonder if that's why Japan is so unreached with the gospel. You know what I'm saying? Because that was actually based on a true story. Wow. And, uh, you know, but it's it's... And that's our testimony, right? That is the greatest testimony is not when Christians live in mansions, Christians have cars and, whoa, look at them, praise Jesus and stuff. It's the great testimony when people have nothing and they can praise Jesus and stuff. We've got everything so backwards. We've got everything. It is not a sign of favor what you own. None of that is any sign of God's favor whatsoever. God's blessings are 
the spirit his his voice his speaking to us and his spirit within us talking to us the love of jesus turn to psalm 23 thank you lord a friend that sticks closer than a brother yeah, <laughs> yeah. And when you're going through those the things, and, aren't around. you know, and you you have joy in the trial, and you're you're walking with him, and, and you it's feel like, alone. He's there. And and honestly, I, I, again, this is something that I struggle with. So, you know, basically, I share these things with y'all because I'm sharing them with me. You know, because these are the things that I struggle with. Because, um, again, we we just lived so long with the wrong mindset and things, and. You know, we just, it's, you know, we want to start walking these things out. We want to start living in this kind of reality and stuff and and uh, not allowing uh, the things of this world to, to shake us and stuff. Psalm 23, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. He restores my soul. He guides me in paths of righteousness for his namesake. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. Look at this. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You have anointed my head with oil. And I, I don't know about you guys, but like a lot of times when you're surrounded with enemies, that's, your, that's all you can focus on, right? And it's like you see, you see all the enemies and all this stuff rather than going to that place in Jesus where he's got a table prepared for you mm-hmm. no matter how many people are against you. That's good. No matter how many people hate you, no matter how many people... Amen. And again, Jesus said, if you follow me, the world will hate you mm-hmm. and stuff. But to know that in the midst of that hatred, in the midst of persecution, in the midst of trials and stuff, there is a table prepared for us that we can come to in every situation and 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 just sit with the Lord and and receive from him himself. And it's so easy to hear this and like receive it when I'm living in, you know, relative comfort, you know, like yeah. not really any kind of hard trial or anything like that and then I'm just sitting here thinking like God, I really don't know like it would take a lot of grace and I don't know, just, um, you know, I don't know if I would pass the test if, it, if I had real, you know, Major real terror, suffering. real yeah. enemies, like yeah. in flesh and bone, real, um, real fear, real, um, you know, tor- torturous types, persecution, like, I'm just like, I, I honestly don't know, I mean, it would take the grace of God, yeah. and, right. but... He gives abundant grace. So I can yeah. count on that. I can keep that. Like, oh, you have to give me grace for this because otherwise I'm going to chicken out. And, and the, the way that I look at it is that the grace is there. Yeah. You know, it's just, you know, tapping into it. And yeah. again, it's it, it's like I said, let everything. your mind dwell on these things. Yeah. And it would take, I think, an act of will. Yeah. Of like, you know, you got two choices. Are, are you going to give in to the fear and the, you know, the, doubt and stuff or are you going to give in to my spirit and you know again you know like we've we've all read stories about martyrs and people who have suffered and stuff and read stories about people who found that there you know who found that grace there and stuff mm-hmm. and and were almost surprised yeah 
you know, because all of a sudden, yeah, and I can imagine it worse, you know, like, ow. Yeah. I did a study one time on the martyrs, and it was really encouraging to me that the person wrote that the people that tend to be the ones that stand are the ones that stood in all the small things. That's good. So your your heritage, I mean, your faithfulness in the little things over and over, those are the ones who tended to do well at that moment. That's good. And that was just really Kind of shows where your heart was at then. Like, like, yeah, and that too. But I think something that's interesting too, though, is taking people like, I don't remember which one it was, but there was that, I think there was like a, there was a school shooting or something a while back where like it was specifically targeting like Christian students and stuff like that where they ha- kind of had a chance to deny Christ and didn't. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that's interesting to me because that's completely outside of their normal day to day. Like, mm-hmm. it, most likely, you know, it's I like... about mm-hmm. my kids, would they even know that they're supposed to, you know, yeah. like... <laughs> well, yeah. <laughs> Have I been trained them well enough that they would know that they ought not to <laughs> to deny Christ at that moment? You know, it's yeah, fascinating. But it, I mean, the 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 grace that God gave them to be able to stand firm, like, is just it. It's 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 incredible too. I mean, yeah. and it show it, like it shows the, the 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 fullness of their faith that they had, but it also mm-hmm. shows like, you know, like. They didn't have to be prepared with comparable things. Like, as you're saying, it's like, how were you in the smaller things? And then, you know, mm-hmm. where we are with that. And then God can supply us with what we aren't able to do in our own flesh. But, so know. it goes both ways. Yeah. Yeah, sometimes God will just give it to you, and sometimes he'll teach you gradually, which also explains why sure. sometimes we're all going through all these little trials and going, why have you God? And he's like, I'm trying to prepare you for something bigger. I read somewhere also, right. like, um, or heard a sermon about strengthening, like if you think about muscles, they're only going to get stronger if you're resisting, mm-hmm. you know, if you have something resisting the muscles that's the only way to develop them you know mm-hmm. babies floating around in the tummy can't develop muscles <laughs> after they come out well they can kicking on mommy's belly but you come out and you get stronger over right. time and that's what trials do to us and right. they develop us for the fight yeah mm-hmm. And two, I guess we also don't know what, how God might have prepared those individual students, like what True. suffering they might have had to go through. Yeah. Like maybe God knew that yeah. would prepare them. We don't know, but right. it's still interesting to me that what, regardless of which way, that God prepared them for that moment. Yeah. Wow, well, such good conversation, y'all. I always think, like, what if like someone was like threatening my kids or something or my wife or something you know because in some ways it's like okay you, you think well for myself I could maybe do it and stuff but was what if someone like had your kids or your wife or something and said like, you know will you renounce Jesus now you know what do you do in that kind of situation you know Because almost everybody that's been an enemy has been a Christian in my life. 
Mm. I'm like, they're all going to be around the table. <laughs> well, healthy. Mm. So that's, that's really hard, is just to look back on my life and like everybody's either like, called themselves a Christian and weren't. Yeah. Um, or they might have been, I don't know. But I've done lots of G. pain G. and damage. G.K. Chesterton, one of his quotes says, uh, uh, that's why Jesus tells us to love our neighbor and our soul and love our enemies because oftentimes our enemies are our neighbors. <laughs> our neighbors, yeah. Hmm. But, um, but uh, yeah, God's also had me, uh, taught me in, or in the past, just reminded me to give a sacrifice of praise in those times. Like there's something spiritually strengthening yeah, in the... Yeah. In the midst of depression, uh, confusion, the multitude of thoughts within my heart, it's like lift up your hands, strengthen your feeble knees, give a sacrifice of praise. Amen. And it's amazing just how much that just breaks the heavy yoke. Amen. Yeah. And, um, Amen. Yeah. It's Not really, that I'm always really, faithful in it, but it it's is. It's really powerful, too, when you do it. Just it, it, I mean, There's something there's about something crazy it. It's about just it. like... Wow, I don't yeah. know why this is like power from on high, but yeah. it is. You know, like yeah. God for some crazy reason. Because you don't want to praise Him. He knows you don't right. want to. He knows in your flesh you don't want to, and then He sees you do it, and He's like, "Oh, a sacrifice that's of my praise. daughter. Yeah. She loves me. Yeah, she trusts me." Which reflects lamentations, like in what we read. Because right. he's like, I have, like, he was kind of almost saying, I have no hope, but this is my hope. Yeah. And then, so, he, you know, there was, the, like, a feeling of, like, dread and downness and right. stuff like that. But he's saying, this is my hope. Right. Um, that I have. That's good. 